0: Acts chapter 9, and if you would please stand as we read the scripture. I begin in verse number 1. Acts 9 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he be, if He found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no man, and Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened he saw no man, But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for it For he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight. And be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes that had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he received me, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, It's not this he that destroyed them which called on him this name in Jerusalem, and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest but Paul, But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying in wait was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night, let him down by the wall in a basket Let's pray Father tonight I simply ask your help that Lord you would just use me a vessel To preach your truth And Lord that the people would hear Not a, a stuttering stammering man But, but God they would feel the spirit In the preaching tonight And so Lord please guide now Verse in Christ's name I pray amen and you may be seated we see here this is the conversion of Saul who most of uh, who we better know is the Apostle Paul of course he's been persecuting the Christians for some time now and but I, I, it says it was hard for him to kick against the pricks. And, and I believe that the more he did against the, the name of Christ, the more Christ just got convicted his heart that he, needed, that he knew the truth and, and that tr- the truth was that Jesus was the Christ. And of course, he's converted, and, and then he, he begins to preach, in such a dramatic change in his life, and, and how exciting that must have been for those in Damascus who, who heard of his coming and thinking, oh my, here comes Saul of Tarsus, the one that's going to try and uh, uh, bind us and take us back to Jerusalem because we mentioned the name of Christ. And yet, here, when he gets in, they hear they, he, he can't see, and And then uh, he receives his sight, and then he begins preaching the very thing that he once persecuted. And then at the end of our text that we read, we see that there in verse number 23, it says, After that many days were fulfilled, the the Jews took counsel to kill him. Their laying in wait was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Now this is just the first of many trials that Paul will face, but it's the first one. He's made aware of it, but it says there in verse 25, it says, then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in a basket. I'm not sure how many nights had passed since Saul had heard of the the plan to kill him. But it wasn't just known of him, it was also known of the disciples. And I can picture in my mind, and and it's good when you read the Bible, you visualize it as the the real people, the real events, there's real things taking place. And I visualize in my mind that here we we have some disciples that that knock on uh, Paul's uh, door. And he opens the door to them, and one walks in with a rope, and he gets scared. He thinks, oh, here's this guy with a rope. And then somebody else in the basket comes in with a basket. And they had this great plan. They say, Saul, we want you to get in the basket. We're going we're to put you in the basket. And you see that window just out there? We're going to put you on the side of the ledge. And we're going to tie this rope around there. And we're going to let you down by the wall in that basket. And I can just imagine the apostle thinking to himself, I can't think of any other way to make it. And that's what they do. And so the disciples, they, 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 they take the, apo- the saw there and they put him in a basket and, and uh, he's in there and they put the lid on it and they tie it up whichever way they can and here they are. They, they just push it over the ledge, and just out the window and they're holding on to it and they probably got somebody down there with a wagon or, or some kind of, uh, 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 well, definitely not a car. I was about to say vehicle, and, uh, but probably a wagon and uh, that they're going to take him to another uh, city where he can get out, and he can get out from away from Damascus. And as I think of that, I think of how important those disciples were in Paul's life. I just want to give you a a simple message tonight on holding the rope. You could say it's holding the rope for missions, or, or you could say it's just the idea of holding the rope. But first, I want to look at that person in the basket. Because that person in the basket, for lack of better words, you could say was a basket case. (laughs) The dictionary uh, gives the definition of a basket case as a person who is helpless or incapable of functioning normally, especially due to overwhelming stress, anxiety, or the like. And I think that Paul, in this position, he was in a spot where he could not help himself. There was nothing he could do. I mean, if he tried to get out, the the governor was going to to get a hold of him. And and, uh, so he needed somebody there to help him. But as I think of Paul in the basket case, and and, uh, I I think he represents several different people we find in the church. I think of one, a, a new convert. I think of that new convert who, who hasn't been saved very long. And yet he's facing his first trial. Man, think about that, 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 that time when you, first, when, when you first got saved and, and uh, the Lord started working in your, in your life and then all of a sudden this first trial comes up. Maybe it's family that, that's against you getting saved. Maybe, it's, maybe, it's, uh, uh, some, uh, maybe your past comes back or whatever it might be. But it, I, I see him as being the new convert I see inside that basket a struggling saint. I see someone in the church who's facing something they, they, they don't see a way through. Maybe it's cancer, maybe it's, maybe it's financial problems or whatever it might be, but they're, they're there in that basket and there's, they're helpless. There's nothing they can do. I think of the church leader. Or leaders. This could be any number of people in the church, but but my first thought is the pastor dealing with a situation that are causing many sleepless nights. I can remember when I would when I was I I was pastor out in Delaware. We had some situations come up, and I don't know how many times I I, those sleepless nights. Didn't know what to do. Didn't know where to go. And I also think of the missionary. Just realize one day, Paul will take those missionary journeys. And so all these different people are in this basket. And I'm sure at some point in time, you're either going to know someone in the basket, or you're going to be in the basket there yourself. You're going to be in there. And you're going to have to put your faith... You're gonna to have to put your trust, you're gonna to have to, you're gonna to have to seek the help of some disciples who are gonna be willing to hold the rope for you. And let me just say, as I said that either you know someone who will be in the basket, or someone, or you will your one, yourself one day be in the basket, remember that the enemy is after every believer. There is no one that has a free pass when it comes to the enemy. You know, it's not long after a person gets saved or a believer uh, starts serving the Lord that the enemy seeks to put a stop to what God has done. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour as I was getting ready for this this afternoon, I was thinking of the missionary uh, when he goes to the field. And, and uh, is, if, if y'all were here on Sunday morning, you, 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 you heard that our family moved from the bayous of South Louisiana to the frozen tundra of South Dakota eight years ago in January. <laughs> you know, that's culture shock right there, or weather shock. That's, that's climate change, I was at <laughs> But, but we come up here, and, 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 and the thing is, I mean, we're missionaries. Yeah, we're, we're, we're what they would call home missions or domestic missions, but it's a totally different culture. It's a totally different people. It's not the people that we're used to. We're not, we're, we were used to Cajuns, people that talk with funny accents. And y'all are probably thinking, well, you talk with a funny accent. I, I'm not, I don't know if I do or not. I don't listen to myself. My wife doesn't either. But the thing is, when that missionary comes, it goes in. It's 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 this. It's it's different. It's and and you know what? Satan's there, ready to attack. You know, it's it's not like to get this six month free pass without Satan attacking. Look, I've I've known missionaries that go to the field and within six months they're back home. Why? Because the enemy's after them. You know it's tough adjusting to a new culture and a new people. Man, it's, it was tough coming for new food. Down in in Louisiana they they season everything. Up here they, and, and forgive me if you if, if you like this but. I had somebody say, hey, you've got to try shepherd's pie. I'm like, great. And I, just no seasoning. I mean, I better move on. But it's the idea that we have to realize the enemy's after him, and the enemy's after Paul, and and he's, he's helpless. He needs some help. Now, here's the thing. In our text, we read that, that the apostle is going to deal with many more trials to come. But do you know this one has special, a special place for him? Go to 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11. And in 2 Corinthians 11, you see the, the list of all the different trials that the apostle had gone through. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I went to 1 Corinthians. See, look, 27 years of preaching, and I still go to the wrong book. I'll even admit to this, because if I don't say it, Miss Lisa's going to say it. We were about two miles down the road this, this evening, and I told my wife, I said, Oops, I forgot my Bible. <laughs> we had to turn around and go back. Wow. Nerves, brother, nerves. And they're not nerves of steel. <laughs> but in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, if you look at verse number 23, it says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes, above measures in prisons, more frequent in deaths. Off of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one thrice was I beaten. With rods once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck a night and a day I've been in the deep, and journeying's often in perils of waters and perils of robbers, and perils by my own countrymen, and perils by the heathen, and perils in the city, and perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren, and weariness and painfulness, and watching's often in hunger and thirst, and fasting's often in cold and darkness. Beside those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches, who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory in the things which concern my infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I that I lie not in Damascus, the governor under Eridus, the king, kept the city of the Damascenes with a garrison desirous to apprehend me. And through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hand. We just looked through an entire list of all the trials he went through. But none of them are written in specifics like this one. Because it was special for him. Why? Because it was the first one. You know, if he wasn't helped through the first one, he never would have made it to the second one. Might not have even made it through the second one. But because of that first one. It's that first time that you go through that trial, like made it, making it through, and that, that and that was special for him. And let me say, we need to be there to help someone Amen. during their first trial. Yep. Then they have a greater chance of making it through the next. Yes. Through every trial, we ought to help everybody, Amen. but especially on the first. I said there. We have the Apostle Paul in a basket. And then we've got some disciples that are holding the rope. we got some disciples. You know, think about it. Without some disciples willing to hold the rope, much of the New Testament would have been written by another hand than that of Paul. And consider it's an inspiring action from a group of unnamed disciples. Their names aren't mentioned. You know, rope holders don't get their names mentioned. But I do believe that one day they'll get rewarded for their actions. Amen. You know, it's not about me. It's not about my name. It's not about your name. It's not about Brother Sudfin or Pastor Brooks. It's about Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the only name that matters. Yes, but we need people holding the ropes. Let me just say real quick about some of the hope. The, uh, I just want to talk to you on about two ropes that we need to be holding for our missionaries, for our new converts, for the church leaders and others in the church. Let me just say one. When it comes to holding that rope, one of those ropes that we're holding ought to be the rope of prayer. We need to go to the Father in prayer on behalf of the missionary. On behalf of the church leader and the new convert. We ought to have an unceasing prayer for them. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter number 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse number 15. It says, Wherefore I also... After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and, I, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. The Apostle Paul just kept on praying for him. He had never, if I understand the reading correctly, I don't think he had ever met these, these folks, but he prayed for them. Be unceasing in prayer. Pray fervently. James 5, 16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You need to be praying fervently. But I want to show you probably the most convicting verse on prayer that I've ever read. Go to Philemon. Please don't ask me what chapter. (laughs) Philemon. Verse number 22. Every time I read this, I get convicted. It says, but with all, prepare me also lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. Every time I think of that, you know, the Apostle Paul is trusting the prayers of another. Can your prayers be trusted by others? When you pray, I don't know about you, but I, I, I just wrote down, I said, seek to have a prayer life that can be trusted by others that it can be trusted, that when you, when you tell somebody you're praying for them that they, they can trust that something's going to happen. That's the kind of prayer we ought to pray that something happens. I said we need to hold the rope of prayer. Let me give you this other one. We need to hold the rope of exhortation. See, prayer is you communicating with God On someone else's behalf. Exhortation is you communicating to the individual directly. See, exhort means to encourage, to embolden, to cheer, to advise. The primary sense of uh, exhort, it seems to be to excite, to give strength, spirit, or courage. And often throughout scripture we're told that we ought to exhort each other go to Hebrews chapter 3 Hebrews chapter number 3 and what's sad is, 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 is we live in a so our, our society is so connected and yet we've forgotten how to communicate we've forgotten the importance of talking to each other we've forgotten the importance of ex, uh, encouraging each other Hebrews 3.13 says, But it says, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We ought to exhort each other daily. You know, I, I love it when I, get a, a, when I get a text or I get a phone call, I get an email from one of my, my supporting churches or somebody in the church. That's always an encouragement. That's, that's, they are exhorting me. They are, even if it's just to say, hey, I want to let you know you're the missionary of the, of the week and we were praying for you. This That's encouraging to me. That helps me want to keep on going. Amen. And how many times would I have enjoyed it? Would it have been helpful? At other times. We got to exhort one another daily. Look. It says exhort. Lest let any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You know. Exhort because sin is deceitful. Can I say that when things don't seem to be going right for the missionary. Then the temptation of sin becomes greater. That sin looks better for him. We need to exhort our missionaries. We've got to exhort the pastor. Amen. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. and verse 25, is probably a familiar text to some of you, but, but, but most of the emphasis on this is usually uh, the first part. We, it says, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching we need to be exhorting one another and can i say that exhortation isn't just to come from the pastor behind the pulpit it's also to come from the people in the pew Man, when you join together in on Sunday morning, Sunday night Wednesday, and Wednesday and come together as a church, you, you, you ought to find people to exhort, to encourage, to say, hey, just want to let you know I was praying for you this week. Just let them know that, hey, if there's anything you need, just, just exhort one another daily. And so, so as, as you realize there's somebody in that basket, there's somebody that needs help, there's somebody that can't make it without you, you better be like one of those disciples and, and just be willing to hold that rope of prayer, hold that rope of exhortation, and, and just let them, let them help, help get them out of that situation that they're in. You're, you, you, won't, you, you, you won't get any accolades, your, your name won't be mentioned, but you know what? You ought to be there holding that rope. You ought to learn how to hold ropes for the missionaries. Get to know their fields. Get to know their kids. Get to know what you can about them. Be willing to hold that rope. Hold a rope for your pastor. Hold a rope for your pastor's wife. Just be a rope holder. Learn to hold the rope. Because at some point, you may need someone to hold the rope for you.